You are listening to The Catholic Wire. Welcome to another episode of What Every Catholic Should Know. I'm your host, Brother Alexius, and uh, we're continuing our series on the Baltimore Catechism number three. Today we're going to be looking at the first half of Lesson 13 on the sacraments in general. I'm joined today by our guests, Father Zapeta and Father Saunders. Fathers, welcome to the program. Thank you, brother. First question, what is a sacrament? A sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. Are these three things, namely, an outward or visible sign, the institution of that sign by Christ, and the giving of grace through the use of that sign, always necessary for the existence of a sacrament? These three things, an outward or visible sign, the institution of that sign by Christ, and the giving of grace through the use of that sign, are always necessary for the existence of a sacrament. And if any of these three is wanting, there can be no sacrament. Why does the church use numerous ceremonies or actions in applying the outward signs of the sacraments? The church uses numerous ceremonies or actions in applying those outward signs of the sacraments to increase our reverence and devotion for them and to explain their meaning and effects. How many sacraments are there? There are seven sacraments, baptism, confirmation, holy Eucharist, penance, extramunction, holy orders, and matrimony. Were all the sacraments instituted by our Lord? All the sacraments were instituted by our Lord, for God alone has power to attach the gift of grace to the use of an outward or visible sign. The Church, however, can institute the ceremonies to be used in administering or giving the sacraments. How do we know there are seven sacraments and no more or less? We know there are seven sacraments and no more or less because the Church always taught that truth. The number of the sacraments is a matter of faith, and the Church cannot be mistaken in matters of faith. Why have the sacraments been instituted? The sacraments have been instituted as a special means through which we are to receive the the grace, excuse me, merited for us by Christ. As Christ is the giver of the grace, he has the right to determine the manner in which it shall be given, and one who refuses to make use of the sacraments will not receive God's grace. Do the sacraments recall in any way the means by which our Lord merited the graces we receive through them? The sacraments recall in many ways the means by which our Lord merited the graces we receive through them. Baptism recalls his profound humility, confirmation his ceaseless prayer, holy Eucharist his care of the needy, penance his mortified life, extremunction his model of death, holy orders his establishment of the priesthood, and matrimony his close union with the church. Give, for example, the outward sign in baptism and confirmation. The outward sign in baptism is the pouring of the water and the saying of the words of baptism. The outward sign in confirmation is the anointing with oil, the saying of the words of confirmation, and the placing of the bishop's hands over the person he confirms. What is the use of the outward signs in the sacraments? Without the outward signs in the sacraments, we could not know when or with what effect the grace of the sacraments enters our souls. 
does the outward sign merely indicate that grace has been given, or does the use of the outward sign with the proper intention also give the grace of the sacrament? The outward sign is not used merely to indicate that grace has been given, for the use of the outward sign with the proper intention also gives the grace of the sacrament. Hence, the right application of the outward sign is always followed by the gift of internal grace if the sacrament be administered with the right intention and received with the right dispositions. So, fathers, can you explain these questions and answers for us further? Sure, I, I, I'll, I'll say here something that Father Saunders has said before. I noticed that a lot of the, of the answers and the questions are quite technical. So I think it would be interesting for us to to comment on them, you know, just using simple uh, common tongue words, we could say, like, you know, <laughs> words from our time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think when the, one of the uh, things I know when I'm when I'm teaching these classes for adults or for converts or reviewing catechism marriage class, one of the things I'd like to emphasize is, is why, you know, why, why the sacraments? And that, like, we're studying in some of the earlier lessons or discussing some of the earlier lessons, you know, that we're both body and soul. God made us both those things. We're not angels and we're not just animals. And so it's very fitting that we have a visible, external way that we gain that internal, invisible grace. Like the, the generosity and wisdom of God in providing for us in that way, that we have something tangible by which we, as a means of grace, I think is very, very significant. Yes, and, and that's actually something I wanted to comment, you know, on this episode at, at first, is the fact that when you when you look at the sacraments and we could what we could call the sacramental system, there is so much wisdom in there, you know, because of what Father is, is commenting here is just made in such a fitting way. In every single sacrament, there is so much wisdom in the way it is instituted, the signs that you use. But anyways, let's... Uh, you know, to cover the first question, the most important one tells us what are the things that are necessary to make something a sacrament. And the first thing is they say an outward. That means an external, a visible sign. So it's, what it means to say there is it's an action, a visible action, a physical action, you could say, that when you perform that action, there is a giving of grace that God obviously bestows on the person, through the use of that action. So there is three things that they say are necessary for the sacrament. The first one is that action. The second one is that that was instituted by Christ, that it was Christ himself who founded this uh, sacrament. And the third one is that when that action is performed, it gives grace, or rather, God gives, gives grace through the performing of that action. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, to expand that a little bit, the... We talked about the outward, but the fact that it's instituted by Christ, I and mean, we'll find you'll find very strongly emphasized in catechisms and Catholic books and stuff that there's seven sacraments, no no less and no more. And for us, it's a common a common thing, a common concept for those who are within the church. Uh, but the strong emphasis really came at the time of the Council of Trent when the Protestant churches came along and they denied this sacrament or they denied this that sacrament. And so the Council of Trent really said, nope, there's these these seven that have been instituted by Christ. And it might help to understand that. I know probably one of the upcoming lessons, there'll be talk about sacramentals, but a, a kind of a distinction there, I think, can help to understand the sacrament between, like, what's the difference? Maybe, Father, maybe you can comment on this. What's the difference between using holy water to get grace and a person getting grace 
uh, via baptism. The difference would be the, the sacrament gives grace by itself. You know, the action itself is always going to give the same grace, so to speak. In the sacramentals, correct me if I'm wrong, in the sacramentals, the grace is given by the prayers of the church. So, for example, a sacramental like holy water uh, takes its value from the fact that the church instituted the ceremony and that uh, the church prays, you know, for the person who uses it to receive grace in as much as they are disposed. So the, the graces that you receive in the sacramentals are according to your dispositions, while the graces that you receive in the sacraments are also according to your dispositions, but they are, they are attached to the action itself, to the rite itself of the sacrament. That's yeah, they, what I would think of right now. Because of the prayer of the church, that's what makes the sacramental special, is that there's a special prayer used in blessing that sacramental, and you have the the official prayer of the church asking for God's blessing on the person who uses it. So the that. real distinction then is the sacrament the sacraments give grace of themselves. The sacramentals give grace through the prayer of the church. Yeah, and the fact that the sacraments were instituted by Christ himself. And the sacramentals were instituted by the church. And I guess we could also measure the dif- or say that there is a difference in, in regards to the amount of grace that it gives, because the sacraments can give actually sanctifying grace. You know, they can mm-hmm. take a person that doesn't have grace and give him sanctifying grace, while the sacramentals cannot do that. The sacramentals only help you increase your sanctifying grace through the, play- the prayers of the church. Mm-hmm. Right. As much as so, I, now, the, sorry, the, sac- the sacraments always give sanctifying grace, right? They always give an increase of sac- sanctifying grace if it's if it's already present. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll cover that. But you know, some of them give an increase of sanctifying grace. Others give actual sanctifying grace when you don't have it. Right, and the sacramentals don't necessarily give sanctifying grace. No, it's more like the sacramentals help you uh, increase your sanctifying grace. You know, through the prayers of the church. Yeah, it's almost like a bit. Maybe I'll try an analogy here. Analogy is nice. To, you know, if you go to the food bank and you qualify, you get food. Yeah, there's that's that's what happens. That's what, you go there and you qualify and you get food. And it could almost be like if I rather signed you a note and said, "Here, go see my neighbor," and here's a note that says, "You know, I'm asking you to give him food." That's that'd be more like the sacraments, where the sacramentals, excuse me, where the church is, you know, asking God to bless this person. Whereas with the sacraments, it's a definitive, if you do this according to God's will, you will obtain grace. Mm -hmm. I'd like to to cover something here really quickly because I I forgot to say this, but just to give an example of how the sacraments work. This is, you know, for Catholics, this might be very obvious, but there might be some listeners that are not Catholics necessarily. And just to give an example, for example, of, of those three necessary things. You have, for example, baptism, which was instituted by our Lord. And what we call the outward sign or the external sign would be the action of pouring water on the person. Now, the action of pouring water on the person has to be done at the same time that you're saying the words of baptism. And when you do those things, you're saying you're doing the action with the intention of doing what the church does, what Christ did and you perform the action by saying the words at the same time, that external rite is going to, to give that grace because that's something that God instituted to give grace. It's a really beautiful thing when you think, excuse me, when you think about it. And that's where, you know, you have to be a little bit sad about the fact that 
this is something that Protestants miss out on. You know, when I was having catechism class with a person that was Protestant, and you always get the idea, or Protestants get the idea, that the church has limitations and that the church, you know, binds you to this and that, and being Protestant means being free and you don't have to do all these things and whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you look at these things, actually being a Protestant or a non-Catholic deprives you of so many treasures that the church has. You know, while the church, you know, it might seem like like it's something very rigid to have rituals, you know, that are so so well established and so so exact in the way they have to be performed. But the beautiful thing about it and the, the gift that we have is that when you receive a sacrament of the Catholic Church, you know for sure that you got grace. You can have no question about it. It's a matter of faith. So, for example, if you're a Protestant and you might say, well, I pray to God to have my sins forgiven. And, well, good luck trying to figure out if that's, that happened or not. You know, <laughs> It's like they might be forgiven. They might not be forgiven. There's no way for you to know. But what Christ did in instituting the sacraments was, here's this, whenever you do it, you can rest assured, you can be entirely confident on my word that you will have that grace, that you will be forgiven, that you are okay. And that's a beautiful thing, you know, for some people it might not seem such a pressing necessity, but if, you know, if you're a person, for example, that has had very serious sins, or you're a person that has, you know, a past that is scarring your soul, when you have that guarantee guarantee from, from our Lord's words, it's a beautiful thing to have. And I think that's where the sacraments become such a huge treasure for us. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and not only are they so um, comforting, but I guess since established by Christ, they're also necessary to us, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, so even though, you know, a person... You take the, the desert island person, you know, by their prayer, if they're, if they can't get to the sacraments or a person dying who can't reach a priest, you know, they, they can still be forgiven their sins. I'm sure we'll talk about that later on, but they still have to forgive. They still have to confess them once the opportunity comes because that's Christ's intention. That's God's will that we use the means he's given us, that we use, you know, use the way that he's given us. Like in the earlier lesson, when we were talking about worship, worshiping God, and that we're not free just to set up our own way of doing things. God could have made a, a million different ways of doing it if he wanted to. But in point of fact, this is how he established it. And so it's it's incumbent on us to, to make use of that. You know, it's not for no reason he gave his apostles the power to forgive sins. Yeah. Right. And I guess he, he gives us these sacraments because we actually need them on our part, too. Yeah. And, you know, this is where, you know, we, this will be coming up during the episode, but this is where you see the wisdom of God in instituting the sacraments, because it's not only fitting, it's not only a great gift for us, but it's also, it establishes an order in the society that is the church. As Father was saying, we're made of body and soul, and part of being body and soul, part of being humans, is that we need governance. In the proper sense of the word, we need a, a political order. We need to have an actual established external visible order. And that's where the sacraments bring that order too into Christ's society. You know, if you have uh, if you have no judges, if you have no criminal justice, if you have no rules, uh, then anything goes. In society, you need those things. Well, 
in this society, which is the church, you also need that order. And having visible external sacraments provides in a certain way for that order as well. Mm-hmm. Now, something I wanted to mention too before I, I forget is they make uh, mention here of uh, the rites. Uh, you know, there's so you have uh, in the sacraments, you have something that it would be the essential rite of the sacrament, which is what Christ instituted. But then around that essential rite, the church has established some uh, non-essential, some accidental rites, meaning like it surrounds that sacrament with some other rites that could be changed or, you know, are not as as, uh, necessary, but are still very important. And I find that, you know, as a priest, you find the usefulness of that so much or, you know, in such a big way when you're practicing it. Because the fact is, I don't know, I, I speak for myself, but I think every human person can relate. We as human beings tend more to to be shallow, to be superficial, to be distracted. Uh, you know, it's hard for us to focus on the important things. And, you know, when you are performing something like a, a rite that is very sacred, is very important, it could be very easy for either the priest or the person receiving the sacrament to miss the importance of it, to miss just how sacred and how huge this is. If it was just an, a very essential thing, just a few words that you had to say with no ceremony around it, it would be very easy to be mistaken and to think that this is not important. Mm-hmm. But when the church surrounds it with so much majesty and, you know, you have to dress up, you have to put the stole, you have to say certain words, you have to prepare with certain prayers to the moment when you receive the sacrament and then you say some certain prayers after you receive the sacraments there is singing you know there's people in the church there's all these ceremonies around it and that to your human nature to your senses it brings this idea of this is huge this is something very sacred and it just helps helps you to prepare your soul for both the priest giving the sacrament and for the person receiving the sacrament mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and some you know some uh Religious organizations take kind of a minimalist view of things, I think, and, and get rid of ceremony, get rid of rites. And, you know, but even in our civil societies, we make use of, of you could say, ceremonies or rites. You know, I recently saw a video in, in England, in the English Parliament system, when the Queen calls the, the House of the House to come and hear the, the throne speech. So someone goes to the House of Commons and calls all these representatives to come hear the, this Queen's speech, they slam the door in the face of the messenger. It's a ceremonial thing every year, right? When he gets to the door of the House of Commons, they slam the door in his face. And it symbolizes, it shows that they're independent of her authority, that they have their own authority. That's the reason. But it's a ceremony, and it means a lot. And it it brings to mind important ideas and important things (coughs) that they want to remind themselves of and recall to themselves and when you, if you see a video of it now, it's almost comical because, well, for a lot of reasons, but there is there's kind of a loss of ceremony in society and a loss of taking things seriously in society. And so when you see people who are not serious doing these serious ceremonies, it's it's kind of a contrast. But we make use of ceremony in all kinds of things. In the proper setting, we stand when someone enters a room. We, there's all these things uh, to indicate. And one thing I think that would be important to emphasize is with that is that it's not like we're trying to trick ourselves into taking these things seriously. Not at all. It's that the things are serious 
and we're trying to assist ourselves to treat them accordingly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because human nature is frail. You know, human nature is forgetful and is negligent. We're naturally like that. So this, all these things are provided to assist our frail human nature into being able to, to see those things and to be aware of those things. Now, <clears throat> I guess the last comment I would make is uh, on the last question, which, you know, if, if we read it, it's, there's a lot of technical terms in there, I guess. But basically what it says is, is this. You know, one might think that the outward sign of the sacrament is just... It's just a sign that God gave grace. So basically, you might think, well, when you do baptism, what you're doing is an external uh, way to show that God gave grace in a different way, you know, that God gave grace by himself. And this would be at some of the uh, mindset, I think, of some Protestant authors. But what, what the Catholic Church teaches is that it's not just a sign of it, it actually gives it. You know, that, that action that you perform God instituted in that action that when it's done, it gives grace in itself. Well, I guess the distinction then is whether the, the that same grace can be given without the action. Because if it were just a symbol, then presumably you could also get the grace in another way. The symbol just shows that it's been given. But the the grace is, is tied to the performance of the action. Um, yes, yes. So the, the, the grace comes by the very... The action. the action is the means, it's the tool that God uses to give grace. So it comes, the performing of the action is the, the means of, of giving grace. It's not just a sign that grace has been given. And maybe, uh, maybe again, a distinction would help, like Father mentioned, some of the Protestant religions, where they consider baptism just a sign that the person has accepted Christ. So the person accepts Christ, and in their mind, that's what makes them you know, uh, acceptable to God, that they've said they accept Christ, and then they do this baptism as a sign of the person's faith. So the, bapti the baptism doesn't actually do anything. It's just a, just a sign. You know? Whereas the true Catholic sacraments are a means of grace. When the performing of the action is the means by which God gives grace. I'll, I'll continue with the questions here then. What do we mean by the right intention for the administration of the sacraments? By the right intention for the administration of the sacraments, we mean that whoever administers a sacrament must have the intention of doing what Christ intended when he instituted the sacrament and what the church intends when it administers the sacrament. Is there any likeness between the thing used in the outward sign and the grace given in each sacrament? Yes, there's a great likeness between these things. Thus, water is used for cleansing. Baptism cleanses the soul. Oil gives strength and light. Confirmation strengthens and enlightens the soul. Bread and wine nourish. The Holy Eucharist nourishes the soul. What do we mean by the matter and form of the sacraments? By the matter of the sacraments, we mean the visible things, such as water, oil, bread, wine, etc., used for the sacraments. By the form, we mean the words, such as, I baptize thee, I confirm thee, etc., used in giving or administering the sacraments. Do the needs of the soul resemble the needs of the body? The needs of the soul do resemble the needs of the body. For the body must be born, strengthened, nourished, healed in affliction, helped at the hour of death, guided by authority, and given a place in which to dwell. The soul is brought into spiritual life by baptism. It is strengthened by confirmation, nourished by the Holy Eucharist, healed by penance, helped at the hour of death by extramunction, 
guided by God's ministers through the sacrament of holy orders, and is given the body in which to dwell by the sacrament of matrimony. Whence have the sacraments the power of giving grace? The sacraments have the power of giving grace from the merits of Jesus Christ. Does the effect of the sacraments depend on the worthiness or unworthiness of the one who administers them? The effect of the sacraments does not depend on the worthiness or unworthiness of the one who administers them, but on the merits of Jesus Christ who instituted them, and on the worthy dispositions of those who receive them. What grace do the sacraments give? Some of the sacraments give sanctifying grace, and others increase it in our souls. When is a sacrament said to give, and when is it said to increase grace in our souls? A sacrament is said to give grace when there is no grace whatever in the soul, or in other words, when the soul is in mortal sin. A sacrament is said to increase grace when there is already grace in the soul, to which more is added by the sacrament received. Which are the sacraments that give sanctifying grace? The sacraments that give sanctifying grace are baptism and penance, and they are called sacraments of the dead. Why are baptism and penance called sacraments of the dead? Baptism and penance are called sacraments of the dead because they take away sin, which is the death of the soul, and give grace, which is its life. May not the sacrament of penance be received by one who is in a state of grace? Yes, it may be, and very often is received by one who is in a state of grace, and when does receive, it increases, as the sacraments of the living do, the grace already in the soul. All right, so fathers, can you help us understand these questions and answers better? Yes, so there's three things I think has to be, um, this is a very, very important part of what we would call sacramental theology, which means like the teaching of the church about the sacraments. There's three things you need to make a sacrament actually happen. You have to have the matter, the form, and the intention. So the actual thing, the visible external thing, the matter, so wine being poured on the head of, excuse me, water being poured on the head of the child in baptism. The form is the words, so that tells us what what's happening, what we're doing, because you know, there's a lot of reasons you could pour water somebody's on somebody's head, right? Most of us have poured water on the person's head for very light reasons, but so the form is the words that go along with it. They tell us what's happening. And the intention is that the intention of the person to actually give the sacrament. So suppose I was teaching someone to give baptism. Now, if we're doing this, we just use a a doll. But suppose you decided to actually illustrate it with a person and you poured the water on their words and you on their head and you said the words, but you all your you did not intend to give a sacrament. You just intended to show how they give a sacrament. Then there wouldn't actually be a sacrament there. So the person has to actually be doing that, intend to do that action. I have a question about that, actually. When we say the proper intention, does that um, is that only referring to the person giving the sacrament or also to the person receiving it? The person receiving as well has to have the intention, with the exception of, and we can talk about intention a little deeper, because like, what about if you're unconscious, etc. But um, with the exception of infants who are not able to form their own intention. Mm-hmm. But yes, the person has to have some intention, at least, in order to receive the sacrament. So you can't sneak up on somebody in baptism, baptizing without them knowing. That's actually important. Some people <laughs> have asked that. Um, another comment I wanted to make on the matter and form, brother, is uh, just, you know, for some people, this terminology might not be very familiar. 
the the distinction of matter and form is something that comes from Greek philosophy, Aristotle, and then it was used very broadly by Catholic theology, by St. Thomas Aquinas more specifically. And it's just basically whenever you have something that exists, they make a distinction of matter and form. Uh, matter would be the thing that is common to other things, just to put it very, very uh, briefly. And form is what makes that thing specific. So uh, to give you an example in philosophy, you know, you might have wood and wood would be a matter that can be common to many things, a table, a chair, whatever. Form would be what makes that thing specific, you know, for example, a chair, a table. Um, so in, when it comes to the sacraments, you know, the action itself is not very specific in, the, in, the, in as much as what Father said before. You could be washing a child, you could be pouring water upon a child's head for many reasons. So that would be the matter. It's an action that is not yet specified as a sacrament. What makes it a sacrament is the form, meaning the words that you say when you, when you do it and the intention that you have when you, when you say it. The form is properly the words. So that's, that distinction is based on that kind of philosophy, and it just basically helps us to realize what is necessary for the sacrament, you know, what are, what are the parts that distinguish the sacrament. I think that makes it more clear. So, yeah, you could pour water over somebody's head for any reason, but saying the words makes it baptism, and so that's why the words are the form. Yes, you know, another comment I was going to make here is just uh, talking about, again, against, uh, about the, the wisdom of our Lord in instituting the sacraments. And it's, it, this is something that I found very marvelous is how the sacraments resemble our life of the body. You know, when you're in your body, your human life, you are born, you grow, you are fed, you are uh, healed from your illness, you have governance, you have a certain order, you marry and you have a family, you establish your own family. So in the sacramental life, in sacramental life, you have a parallel of that. You are born with baptism, you grow with confirmation, you become a soldier of Christ, you are fed by the body and blood of our Lord in the Holy Eucharist, and you are cured from your illness and your diseases by the sacrament of penance. So it all has like a parallel with our life of the body. And that helps us to realize the kind of graces that we receive from the sacraments and, and how they are supposed to aid us in the development of our soul. Would you mind, Father, commenting on the what you were saying about the worthiness and unworthiness of the priest? Yes, yes. So we were talking about this, you know, um, outside of the recording. But that, that the, um, I was just saying that Father Zepeda is the most worthy priest there is, so everybody should, <laughs> should attend. That's uh, what Father wanted his, to hear. Yeah, that was the, <laughs> yeah, make sure we repeat that. <laughs> no, but that the... The um, the administration of the sacraments, the, the minister of the sacrament does not impact the grace that the sacrament gives. So it doesn't matter whether it's a very, very good priest or a mediocre priest or hopefully not, but a bad priest. That's not going to change the grace that a person receives from the sacrament because that grace comes from God having established that sacrament, which is another um, very consoling thing about the sacraments, that it's not, you know, it doesn't depend on how good the how good the priest is, you know, so it doesn't become a matter of personal, just personal thing. But, so the sacraments yeah. give the grace of themselves. That's not dependent on the worthiness or unworthiness of the person giving the sacrament. I guess that would be all, all the comments I have on this section too, brother. All right. Well, then we'll wrap it up there for today. Thank you both for joining me. Uh, you've been listening to the Catholic wire. I'm your host, brother Alexius for the greater glory of God. 
We'll see you next week. Be sure to tune back in for part two of Lesson 13 on the sacraments in general. God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to The Catholic Wire. If you have found this show helpful, please say a prayer for all our collaborators. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels and share with your friends. For questions and comments, you may contact us at thecatholicwire.org.